more than anything else, this economic and environmental tragedy, and it's a tragedy, underscores the urgent need for this nation to develop clean, renewable sources of energy. Doing so will not only reduce threats to our environment, it will create a new homegrown American industry that can lead to countless new businesses and new jobs. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Today is Friday, May 28th. That was President Obama, you heard at the top, talking about the Gulf oil spill. On today's podcast, Planet Money doesn't just report on business. For once, Planet Money actually becomes a business. We enter phase one of our product development and product launch, and we're going to take you along with us. And we actually need you to help us, too. We'll get to how you can help us out in just a minute. But first, of course, it's time for the Planet Money Indicator. Jacob, what have you got for us? Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Adam. Hey. Today's indicator is $930 million. All right. So let's get to the part where you tell us how miserable and bad this number is. Yeah, this number is miserable, it's bad, and it's actually even going to get worse and more miserable. $930 million is the cost so far of that big oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, That's according to BP, the oil company that's the main owner of the well. And even though the spill has been going on for more than a month now, we really haven't begun to see what the total cost will be. I mean, if you just just look at the tourism and seafood industries alone, their loss of revenue will probably be in the billions of dollars. So, Jacob, who pays for all this? Is BP on the hook here or are we? Well, under federal law, there's actually a $75 million cap for liabilities related to this kind of oil spill. But BP says it's going to pay for all the costs of the cleanup, as well as what it calls, quote, legitimate claims for losses and damages related to the spill. And there's actually this bill in Congress. Look, there's lots of bills in Congress about this spill. But there's this one particular bill that would basically put that promise from BP into law and say, yes, they are on the hook for this. It is so shocking that at one point Congress said, all right, if you have an oil spill, you're never going to have to pay more than $75 million. Right. But there was also a tax that went with it. I mean, it's... It, it, there's a lot going on, but but it's all it's like a it's a decades old law, so it definitely it's going to be updated. Right, and one thing I've been wondering is a billion dollars, say roughly, and probably several billion more. How, what is that to BP? Is this nothing, and they can shrug it off, or is this existential? Will BP no longer exist because they're paying so much money? BP. BP basically has the money. You know, this will be some some number of billions of dollars. And if you look at, at BP's, say, profits for last year, profits last year were about $17 billion for BP. The company's total revenue was about $246 billion, which, you know, just for comparison, that's actually bigger than the entire annual GDP of the state of Louisiana, a state that's, you know, heavily affected by this. So, so yeah, BP's pockets are probably deep enough to pay for this. All right. Thank you, Jacob, for... Yet another depressing report. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Always glad to bring you down. All right. Have a good weekend. Now, Planet Money, for now, Caitlin, I haven't looked at our budget recently, but I believe we are considerably smaller than BP. Slightly, yes. But hey, we're growing. There was only like three of us two years ago. And look at us now. We're over 200% larger. That's huge. Exactly. And we've now gotten big enough that we want to get into the merchandise business. As faithful listeners know, we want to launch a Planet Money t-shirt. Now, if you work in public radio or you've listened to public radio for a long time, there's a good chance that you have, I'd say, about five or six public radio T-shirts in your closet, maybe with the logo of your favorite show or your favorite station, but you probably have a few. 
I, I'd say I had dozens until Jen, my wife, made me throw them all out. I hate to uh, diss our own beloved public radio, but yeah, the public radio T-shirts, they're, they're not the best you can get. They all are kind of big and boxy, and they're made of that cheaper cotton that's kind of like a little thicker and maybe kind of scratchy. And then they just have some huge logo right on the front. They're not that cool. We did a survey on the team yesterday, and, and we found out that, yes, everyone on the team owns several public radio T-shirts from shows and stations that they've worked at or know friends on or whatever, and not one of us wears them in any context other than going to the gym. That's a pretty sad state of affairs considering we work for public radio, so if anyone feels obligated to wear them, it's definitely us. Right. So so the point is we want a T-shirt, not just a T-shirt that's in your closet and you wear it once or you wear it at the gym. We want a shirt that you're excited about, that you're thrilled to wear, something you'll wear out for a night on the town or whatever it is you do, Caitlin, because I think you are <laughs> the only person on the team who actually goes out for nights on the yeah. town. So we basically wanted this to be the T-shirt that on Friday night you have a big weekend playing with your friends and you go into your closet and there's no question which T-shirt you're going to put on. You're going to put on the Planet Money T-shirt. So essentially we wanted to stop thinking about T-shirts the way that public radio usually does and start thinking more like we were like Calvin Klein or like a really trendy T-shirt brand. In other words, we want a T-shirt that is actually cool. But there's one problem. We may not be cool enough to design that awesome of a T-shirt. I think, Caitlin, I'm going to say you are cool enough. I am definitely not cool enough. And so I decided to do what all business people who are not cool enough do. They try to buy some coolness. So I do a lot of shopping and a lot of, you know, interviewing. And then I also cover New York Fashion Week. That is Claire Hamilton. She is a trend analyst for WGSN. As far as I could tell, she seemed very cool to me. Big companies spend tens of thousands of dollars getting the reports that she and her team come up with about what is cool, what fashions are working right now, what trends there are, that sort of thing. But don't worry, no public radio donations were harmed in the making of this podcast. Claire very nicely didn't charge us for her advice. She just offered to let us spend the whole morning with her on basically a cool hunt. And we met her at the corner of 61st and Madison here in New York. In case you don't know that address, there's a huge Barney's flagship store there. I thought Barney's would be a good place to start because it's really where you got, get to see a lot of directional, what we call directional in fashion is, is an indication of where trends are going, a lot of directional fashion. Now and this right here is... Yeah, this, there you go, the Loom State Blank Tee. I really like those Loom State Blank t-shirts. They were simple, but they had these really nice bright colors, and they were this really nice and very, very soft cotton. And I have to say, I did not think we were going to find any t-shirts. I didn't know why we were going to Barney's. I didn't think that, wait, is there going to just be some like regular old t-shirts with Barney's logo on it or something in the corner? I just did not associate t-shirts with high fashion. But there were t-shirts everywhere in Barney's. They were like racks and racks and racks of like really cool, really nice ones. Not just those simple one color ones that, that you like, but these much more elaborate shirts with all sorts of colors and interesting designs all around them. And clearly the most exciting t-shirt area was, was the women's section. There were just t-shirts everywhere there. For women, both at a designer and at a very casual level, uh, at those two levels, T-shirts have evolved into something that can really be dressed up, are really decorative. Uh, the cut really matters. It's meant to very much flatter the person wearing it. It's, it's very much become a fashion item. 
It was really tempting for me to be in this store. There were so many things I wanted to buy, especially, Adam, you remember that one shirt? It was like a batik print, and it had this kind of gauzy, meshy front. Oh, yeah, that was really nice. But it was also, if I remember correctly, $278 for a T-shirt. Well, I didn't say I was going to buy it. I'm just saying I really liked it. It looked really cute. And and that was one major, major lesson for me, is that when you leave the public radio apparel sphere, public radio is really undercharging for T-shirts. Um, I went on the This American Life website, 25 bucks. Then I went to the NPR shop online, and they have an NPR shirt for 20 bucks. And I don't think we saw anything in Barney's that was less than $40. And that was marked down from a higher price. Yeah, most things were were much higher. So lesson one, charge more. I'm sure our audience will be thrilled to hear that. (laughs) Lesson two, all the shirts in Barney's are made out of this delicious, soft, luscious cotton. I didn't even know that T-shirts could be that soft. I think at one point Adam said he would like to stand there all day just holding on to the T-shirts. But it wasn't just that great cotton. They also had these really nice design elements, just Little details that just brought something special to the shirt. You're talking about that really stupid little pocket, aren't you? Now, this little pocket seems just fussy to me. This tiny little pocket that... It's cute. It's it's like a fun little detail on the clothing. It's a little bit decorative without going... um, But it's too small to put anything in. Well, you're not going to put anything (laughs) in it. (laughs) It's just a decorative detail. You don't put anything in this pocket, do you? I do, but Jen gets mad at me. In fact, most of them, she won't let me rip the stitching out. This could represent the most classic conversation between a man and a woman about fashion ever. I will say that I liked most of the men's T-shirts at Barney's. Um, One thing we learned from from Claire is that a big trend right now is shirts that you buy new and they look like they've been around for decades and washed 100,000 times. Like you took them out of your cooler older cousin's closet or something. Uh, There's a lot of them that are like faded, like a 1970s National Park Service logo or a bunch of faded rock stars or something like that. When we look at men's, although there are a number of men's T-shirt brands, you'll find across the board, and this is even in, 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 in chain stores as well, the, the desire among men to go for something very, quote-unquote, authentic-looking, vintage graphics, fadedness, very unfussy, but something a little bit sort of lived in and, um, for lack of a better word, authentic looking. So I think those overarching trends should guide you in thinking about what people actually want to wear because I think the tendency among um, companies with no experience in design when they make T-shirts is to make something that you use to paint in. And that's not a great way to get the brand out in the open. So women want their T-shirts to be a fashion item, something they can dress up, and you guys like something that's a little bit faded and you took from your cousin. Interesting. But either way, both T-shirts were really soft. Although I have to say the men's were not as soft as the women's. They were more of like a manly soft. But definitely softer than your average public radio T-shirt. Absolutely. There's no question. And, of course, they were cut really well, and they had cool and unusual colors. They were just elegant and simple. There was just something about them that was nicer than your average T-shirt. Yeah, there, there was that one display that really struck us. You know, it's, it's very beautifully merchandised on the wall, which that's a strength of Barney's. They really yeah, can you describe it? Well. The, the T-shirts are draped to look like little tulips, like springtime tulips. 
with a little green painting to show the stock of the tulip. Sure, yes. And that captures people. And you've got a little bit of a story on the wall that's also really interesting. We're faced with so many brands to look at and choose from. So when you walk into a store and you think, you know, I really need a T-shirt, what T-shirt am I going to buy? This is a great way to show people something that they might really love and, and get attached to. It's Storytelling has become a buzzword in the arena of fashion and branding really because of the importance of a sense of heritage, of quality, of, uh, uh, of story, of background. So even in labeling, you, you'll notice on this T-shirt that we're looking at how huge the label is, really. And you can find with tags and with labels, quite commonly, a bit of a story about where the fabrics were made, what they're made of, you know, what the fibers are and what the quality of the fibers is like. So it's really, storytelling is huge for people sort of browsing through and, and thinking about why they want to buy something and what they want to buy. Storytelling is the latest high-end retail trend. That is, that was exciting news because... We might not know all that much about fashion, but we do know storytelling. That is what Planet Money does. We tell stories about the economy and business. So um, I was very happy to hear this. We invited Claire back to the office to meet the rest of the team. So now all we had to do was figure out how to put storytelling onto two square meters of cotton. So Jacob started us off with an idea. I mean, one of the interesting things we've been talking about in sort of the long arc of this thing is is you know, following following all the sourcing, right? Starting in the in the dirt where the cotton grows and through the thread and the weaving and the factory. I mean, I don't know if there's any way... I mean, that to me, you know, if there's some way that the T-shirt itself could capture that kind of... Uh, that kind of, of knowledge or depth. I mean, I don't know. If- I think we were talking about this earlier. People talk about it in terms of packaging and labeling as well. I mean, one thing about, t- you know, seeing a T-shirt actually sitting in a store, it's one thing if you're buying it from the site, although you can do things on the website also. To I mean, what if you on the website you had a whole separate um, area where a user on the site could actually watch the development of the t-shirt and learn about how it was made. How much more interested does that make the person to buy the shirt? And by the same token, you might have a really nice looking shirt and then you actually see, you know, the the recycled paper tag and read about where it was made and how they treated the workers, etc. And and that's and that's real incentive. My, you know, my solution was that we have the world's largest tag on the T-shirt, which just has, like, complete information on its origin. I mean, would there be – maybe this is too – maybe this would never work. But would there be a way to, like, capture that kind of information you're talking about in the giant tag actually, like, by printing it on the and, inside and of I, the T-shirt? And I wouldn't – yes, absolutely. And I wouldn't even endorse a giant tag. Um, but <laughs> it was a joke. So you wouldn't. <laughs> Unless you like the idea. But, <laughs> but, but definitely there's, there's, ways of, there's ways of conveying that. I think it also obviously fits in really well with NPR being a place where stories are told. And I wonder how that could be, you know, interpreted otherwise, even through a graphic or something. So I think um, – I mean, maybe the shirt could be some in some way about the making of the shirt, you know? So I have one other idea, though. And this is maybe sort of crazy, but the whole <laughs> storytelling idea and everything like that. Is there a way to put, like, a little microchip with, like, a little – and, like, two little earbuds <laughs> coming out of the back? Seriously. Well, there are – And then there you are... could, like, literally – you could have this T-shirt tell you the story. <laughs> you know what do exist now? I mean, that's not so off the mark as RFID tags, so radio frequency identification – 
Um, but they they put them in to close so that you can do kind of interesting things in store. Like I th- I believe that the di- at the diesel store you can take a pair of jeans and depending on the style, hold them up to something and it plays a different song. So you associate the song with the jeans. So there, I mean, definitely RFID is a big thing and it's, it'll get bigger in retail. But there are ways to um, sort of be playful with clothing. With your iPhone, for instance, you can take a photo of the label. And then um, it'll bring you to, uh, you know, something on, on your phone. Or y- y- There are ways to interact with the customer. Oh, you have that, that, that square that oh. looks sort of like a, a, a 21st century barcode, right? So they could mm-hmm. point their iPhone at that, and then, like, the audio could play, right? Yeah. The story yeah. of the show could play. Or, or, yeah, exactly. Or 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 each each one comes with, like, a, a password to an app, an app that they could download or right. something like that. Right. Like and that you comes, can find out who actually sold your shirt. You could right? find out, and, you could, and then we could I, constantly update it, too. That would be yeah. really interesting. Like, that could be – you could b- constantly be checking back – through the through the app to what you know new things about your shirt or whatever yeah so storytelling in a t-shirt done talking to Claire it was helpful but it was also kind of confusing because we learned pretty quickly what we don't want we don't want the typical standard public radio t-shirt with a big logo in the middle and when you leave that sort of familiar world of like okay we'll just put our logo on a t-shirt maybe we'll make it white or black you're left with so many more options you have to think like an actual clothing company and you have so many things to consider. There are design questions or fit questions. Do you want a bat wing sleeve or an asymmetrical neckline? And Claire had all these fashion phrases. She was like, do you want this shirt to be humble or boastful? Should it have utility or should it be an item that's covetable? And then do we want it to have like mass market appeal to appeal to as many people as possible, like a J. Crew t-shirt or a Gap t-shirt? Or do we want it to be more like unique and designery, something from Barney's. Are we making this like a $35 t-shirt or a $135 t-shirt? It felt like there should be an answer. If we want to go big, like mm-hmm. what's the killer app t-shirt? Well, you've got to get you should it depends on who you're who you're targeting and I mean, you're you're asking me the question that I think everyone wants to know is how do I make a million dollars on a t-shirt? <laughs> right. And what's the answer? <laughs> One thing that every retailer now I think especially will tell you is that you have to first listen to your core customer because it's a big mistake when you try and and at the very the very first thing you do is say we want to be the the biggest brand in the whole universe because then you neglect what the people who will actually be faithful to you are looking for. So that brings up some questions. Who are you? Who are the people who are listening to this podcast right now, our core customers as we're talking about them? Luckily for us, it turns out there are a lot of companies out there that can help us answer these questions. Right. So so Claire does the subjective trend analysis, but we also wanted some hard data. We want to learn how corporations use hard data. So we went to American Express, this guy named Ed J, Senior Vice President for Business Insight. Turns out, I didn't know this, American Express is not just a credit card company. They offer all these services to businesses like ours. We process, you know, over 4 billion transactions a year that people use to swipe their card. So we can learn a lot around what consumers are doing, and um, we use that to help companies learn about how to better improve their business. Now, he 
wants us to make very clear. They don't track your individual purchases. They're not going to give us your names or your credit card numbers or anything like that. What they do is they aggregate all these billions of different transactions that people make to draw conclusions about broad trends in spending habits. Now, since we don't have any products or services that we sell yet, this T-shirt will be our first. He didn't have any hard data on people using American Express to buy Planet Money merchandise. So instead, he looked at people who use their credit cards to donate to their local public radio stations. They looked at stations in 22 cities, and they had this huge sample size of over 100,000 people. Once they had all these people identified, they asked these people who gave money to NPR, what else do they spend money on? So listeners... We are trying to do this in a transparent way to let you know how businesses think about making decisions like the decisions we're about to make. So don't get mad at us. But here is what you look like in the cold, hard language of marketing data. There's a high affinity around eating, um, travel, and charitable giving. Uh, We also are seeing, though, that your listeners do like their brands. Can you show us the actual data that you have? All right, so here we can see where our customers are shopping, and it's much higher end than I thought we would find out. It is. It is. You know, it's it's stores like Bloomingdale's, Neiman Marcus, Saks, Nordstrom, Bergdorf's, Macy's. You know, they're shopping in those high-end stores, but you can see also they are shopping as well at some of these designer discount stores, um, like a Filene's and Century 21, which are carrying still higher-end goods, but at discounted prices. So... The focus on quality and brands is important to your listeners, for and sure. And it says here the female customers tend to buy high-end – like these are even higher-end right. quality. Like Talbot's, Chanel. Chanel yes. And, the, and then re, this is one that really spiked – you know, definitely in, in um, the older segments we looked at, but Judith, Judith Lieber is someone who really spiked actually surprisingly high in the population. And, and if you look at the style of the clothes, it is casual yet tasteful comfort style, but not a baggy t-shirt. So our listeners are, are looking at labels when they're buying t-shirts. They're not just picking up anything off the rack. They're saying, I want this really fancy t-shirt brand. They're definitely looking at labels. And even if you look at other trends like um, where they're eating, which um, which we had a little more information on, where they're giving from a charitable contributions perspective and the type of organizations they're contributing to, they're very well-known, established um, brands that they enjoy giving to as well. Caitlin, I, when we were sitting there, I found this really surprising because I just my instinct would be that public radio listeners are not these like brand obsessed people. But I don't think he was saying that they're brand obsessed. It's more like they know what they like. They want high end things because they're quality, not because they want people to know. Oh, look, I'm wearing this really expensive thing. Like they are not carrying Gucci bags with big chains around their neck. They just like things that are well made. So. I think that's good. Our listeners like quality, but they're not so concerned with status. Yeah, and Ed agreed with your take. If you look at the spending patterns that we see here, and we've been talking about is you have a mix of really high-end brands and some very mainstream brands. You can see here that people who shop at Chanel also shop at Williams-Sonoma, Pottery Barn, and J. Crew. You know, your listeners are conscious, you know, around that. So it's not like other groups we've seen where they're going to skew 100% high, high-end brands who will like to show off the brand, and, and that's you know important to them. I think your customers um, and potential customers for the T-shirt are going to be you know somewhere in the mixed, you know, and they're going to discounters as well as the high-end stores themselves. So I think exactly to that point is I don't think you want to be so bold, but at the same time, I think a generic T-shirt is not going to is not going to be the way to do it. I think you need to think about something different, have a designer feel to it. 
but not be screaming um, high-end only. So um, can you figure out a price point? I mean, we sort of just arbitrarily in the group came up with 20 bucks, but now you're making me think that's too low, that we should aim higher. I think you should aim higher. Um, as you think about you know what people are spending on today, and I think the price was is a combination of how you bring these affinities together. I think the charitable contribution aspect is a big theme that I think you should think about in your in your design. And overall, where we've seen customers, even in this rebound, and you think about the consumer mindset here, um, charitable contributions have been rising faster than you know in some cases faster than actual spending. So people are returning to this concept of giving back. And I think if you use that as well as combine it with a brand, a strong brand of some type, I think you can charge a higher price for it. I don't think your listeners are looking for a bargain. So listeners, you got that? Ed J just told us that you'll spend 50 bucks on this T-shirt if you believe in it and its quality. And we're hoping he's right. So to make sure that happens, we want to get you involved in this process. We're asking for your help. First off, we want to know what you think about all the stuff we learned here. Is Claire Hamilton right? Do you want a T-shirt that'll tell you a story? Is Ed J. right? Do you care about quality but not necessarily want to be flashy with your brand? Is that who you are? We want to know. And second, we actually really want your help, I'd say more than anything, to help us design this shirt. We want everyone, all of you, to go home, sketch something, and submit it. And then we're going to give everyone, whether you submit a design or not, a chance to vote on which one you like best. And then the person who wins is going to get some type of prize or award for the winning design. What will they get, like a free T-shirt? I think we can do better than that. Come on. All right. So start sketching. Send us your thoughts to planetmoney at npr.org. A couple quick notes. Use the whole shirt as a canvas. That was something that we both really liked that Claire showed us at Barney's and the other stores we went to. The design is on the whole shirt, not just a box in the center on the front. And if you can't draw very well, I know I can't. My mom's an art teacher, and she always told me I had a good eye for color to make me feel better. So what that means is... You don't have to send us a perfect sketch. It doesn't have to be fully fleshed out. Even if you have ideas, even if you just want to say, absolutely, you have to do a green T-shirt, send us whatever you've got. You can send it all to planetmoney at npr.org. And remember, this is just the first step. Once we have our designs, we're going to start sourcing the material. We're going to go to Texas or California or Mississippi to look at cotton farms. And then we'll figure out where we'll have this shirt made. We're going to visit factories in China and Haiti. And you are going to be on board for this whole journey. And that, my friends, is storytelling. And I, I do want to give a shout-out to my friend Pietra Rivoli. She has this awesome book called The Travels of a T-Shirt in the Global Economy. It was very inspirational in thinking of this whole idea. She's been on the podcast before, and we'll certainly be checking in with her before this is all over. And there's one more thing. This is sort of a separate thing, but talking to all the folks over at American Express they really made us want to know more about you, not just your brand preferences or what you spend your money on. We want to do a Planet Money listener survey. We want to know what you like, what you don't, how you listen to us. We promise it's quick and fairly painless, and it would be really, really helpful to us if you could help us out by filling it out. You can find it on our blog, npr.org money. Well, Adam, I think that's it for us today. I'm Caitlin Kenny, And I'm Adam Davidson. Thank you for shopping with Planet Money. J'adore vivre et habiller moi Gucci, Fendi et Prada Malatino, Armani, Tour Merde, I love them, Jimmy Choo Put it on, on me Don't you wanna see these clothes on me